on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. ESPN's Mike Golick Jr. joins us for an interview. There's a lot going on in all kinds of sports, and we talked to Mike about a little bit of everything. We talked some local college football by breaking down an interesting comment Lincoln Riley made this week, and we finish up giving you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? Oh, man, Mike Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful May 10th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety is Riverwind's number one priority. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games, with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match, roulette, and craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And and Fridays in May from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $80,000 Wildflowers and Winnings promotion. So get out to Riverwind. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino simply the one now we're recording this on sunday night please don't forget to leave us a five-star review on apple Podcasts and let us know who you want us to try to get on the podcast i have been dming with some of the ou guys that are playing in the nfl ted we're going to get some of those lined up over the next couple weeks but this episode our man mike gullick jr the the man is he is an absolute factory of sports knowledge I love it. He's he's entertaining, man. He's uh, he's got big opinions, and he backs all that up with with a lot of knowledge, like you just said. He's he's fun, man. Now Mother's Day was this Sunday. Did you have a good one? Did you have a good one? Do something for the wife. What was uh, what was uh, on the docket there? We had a good one. It was I, I cooked dinner. Um, basically, did stuff all around the house all day it was her day uh me and my my son went and got her flowers and it was great it was fun i did have a little panic moment at one point gabe and i was i I felt like maybe i had hung you out to dry i I forgot to tell you people you probably got this advice but you're under mother's day terms right now with your wife or did she let you skate okay so there was a discussion that okay. took place because I had something planned. I had a plan. And so my mom is in Chicago 
she was in Chicago for Mother's Day visiting my brother, who lives in Chicago, obviously. So I didn't have to do anything with my mom. Now I called her first thing in the morning. We talked. I, you know, I did my my duty as a son, but I was very aware that I needed to do something for my wife. But her mom wanted to go golf because her mom loves golf. So my mother-in-law and my wife, my sister-in-law, we all go and golfed on Mother's Day. There you go. I got to spend my Mother's Day on the golf course. And I will say this. I'm getting better, man. We're seeing some improvement. I'm, I'm, I'm not excited, but I'm not not excited. That's how I'm going to put it. That's good. You are the only guy on the planet that got to spend Mother's Day golfing. Okay. Enjoy that. (laughs) So I, yeah, I wasn't really going to tell anybody else that, but you know, you brought it up, but so we are doing my wife's, you know, the cheesy thing I had planned for her. We're doing it next weekend because I told her, because she told me a few days ago, I'd already had kind of this plan in my head. And then she told me, Hey, we're going to go golf with my mom. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I gotta, I gotta, we gotta have a conversation here. Open lines of communication. Ted, that's what it's all about. <laughs> so I good for I you. Like, I was like, oh God, I hope I hope someone gave Gabe the the heads up. Which you're good about that stuff. You're usually on top hey, of thanks, it. But thanks for worrying about me, man. I appreciate. Oh that. yeah, good deal. But you got we, out alive. We we got it. We got it all uh, all figured out. So next weekend is going to be uh, my wife's you know Mother's Day. Even though technically she's not a mother yet, but I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> I did. I also, I didn't say that to her. I didn't, right. I would never, say you know, that. even though you're not a mother yet, I had this, yeah, that's not the, that's not the right phrasing. Yeah. That would have, uh, that would not have gone over well. Okay. Ted, let's get to the OU stuff. And honestly, we've reached the time in the year where OU football players are actually getting a little bit of a break from football. So graduation just happened. You've got, finals week for the other guys so most of the guys are already gone or they are leaving as soon as their last final is done and it's a good reminder that it's probably the most stressful time of the year for the coaches because (laughs) the guys go home they i i just imagine the entire coaching staff just hoping their phone doesn't ring these for the next week or two because usually if it's ringing and it's one of the players probably nothing good you know this is one of those times where you're looking around you're hoping hey there's no news is good news right that's right and and it's not just getting in trouble it's also injury remember hazelwood that's how he hurt his acl a year right. ago yeah and think about last year where they had all of that time away from their guys now obviously it was a little bit different uh, circumstances, but yes, it's always got to be nervous for those coaches. Anytime the guys aren't away and you're not in regular contact with them, I'm not talking about phone calls and text messages and Zoom meetings. I'm talking about, you know, getting in front of those guys on a daily basis. Yeah, it's it's got to be worrisome. So we we did hear from Lincoln Riley this week and. He said, you know, it's kind of his, you know, wrapping up the spring press conference with the media. And he said something that I found really interesting Ted, I want to get your thoughts on because 
and, and I know what he was trying to say, but he said that preseason rankings are completely meaningless. And, and I get it. it. It's about the guys putting the work in. It's about getting better every day. It doesn't matter what other people say about you. It's about the team becoming the best version of itself. Like I understand what he's saying, but calling them completely meaningless. I, I just disagree with that. I, I, I disagree with it a little bit because whatever we what in, Obviously, you guys, when you were there, you were always ranked really high in the preseason. But I always thought it having that preseason ranking going through summer workouts was a good thing because it, it kind of sets the level of expectation. Also, it allows the strength coaches to kind of talk shit to you, you know, like, oh, you think you guys are going to be number one in the country working this way, like that type of stuff. I, I think that it's meaningful to the players. I, I, it was meaningful to me, right? When you're you're looking at yourself, you're a top five team, top ten team, or number one in the country, like they are in some of these preseason polls. I just feel like it, it kind of sets a tone for the rest of the offseason. So I know what he meant, but I don't think that preseason rankings are completely meaningless because I think you can use them to your benefit. Yeah, I, I guess it depends what you mean by meaningless. Like it, it's meaningless in a sense that it doesn't win you any football games in the fall. I, and I agree with that, but it's not meaningless in a sense that it's, it's a, it's a great way to showcase your, your program. When you're the number one ranked team in the country going into the year, there's a lot of stories, a lot of conversation nationally about you. Uh, both good that you're this great that you're going to be ranked there and not necessarily bad, but people trying to to pick you apart and that's free bulletin board material. And, you know, honestly, I, I would, I would usually say that being the preseason number one, it brings a lot of, of pressure and some teams, it may not be a good thing to be a preseason number one because you feel like you've arrived, right? And you can and you can let off the gas. But I think it may be a good thing for this team because we've been in some, some semifinal games where we haven't been too competitive and there may be a feeling of we don't belong. Like we're the net, we're a rung down from these other teams. Right. And something like this is a big boost of confidence. And it's like, we do belong here. We do belong here. People do recognize how good we are and how talented we are. So I think it's just wh- however you want to approach it. I mean, however you want to, you want to use it. It's, it doesn't win you anything in the fall. I totally agree with that, but it, you can use that for a bunch of good, just depending on how you approach it. And my guess is that Lincoln Riley is going to be doing just that. It's not something Whenever your team is, were you guys preseason number one in twelve? Uh, we were re- we were up there. I, I think don't think were. we were. No, I don't. I don't remember if we were one, but we were definitely top five. For some reason, I feel like you were number one. But here's the thing: is like you, that's not something as a staff or as a roster that you just that you can ignore. You know, it's yeah. something that you've got to address. 
you can't just walk in and say preseason polls are meaningless and feel like you put that to bed and off you go doing your next thing. It's something that's going to be talked about. Every one of these, these kids' friends are going to ask them about it, their relatives, uh, everyone in the media is going to ask about it. Now, they, they are not the official number one. It was just one of those way-too-early polls where there's going to be five of them and they're going to take all the top five teams and rotate them through there. We know that. But, you know, if, if by chance they are in the final preseason poll, it's something that you've got to address and find a way to, to put a positive spin on it for your team. Yeah, I'm, I'm just all about embracing it, man, where you just say, yeah, hey, we, we should be number one. And every day you show up in the summer, like that's how you carry yourself. That's how you work. Like, I, I just think there's a lot of good that can come from the guys seeing that and just really leaning into it. I, I, I don't know. I, I get it. I get saying it, it, you know, the record zero and zero and all this stuff. Like I, I completely understand that, but I just would, I would use that to continue to build their confidence and just build them up. It's different. Oklahoma's always ranked high. We know that. Always ranked high. (laughs) No kidding. But when you're number one, it's just, it's a little bit different. Like it, you, you actually, you can feel that you're going to get everyone's best shot and coaches try and convince these players all day, every day that every team that you play, they're going to play better against you than they do anyone else the rest of the year. That's just how it's going to go whenever you're Oklahoma. But when you got that number one next to your name, whether it's preseason or you've attained the regular season number one while the season is ongoing, it, it just solidifies that. No one even has to tell you anymore. You just know what you're going to get. Yeah, I'm fully aware. Uh, every game we were ranked number one at OU, we, I, I think we lost. <laughs> so <laughs> I get it. I get it. Okay. On a, you know, more serious kind of, you know, sad, frankly, in, in my mind, note, Lincoln Riley did say that Seth McGowan and Trajan Bridges are no longer on this football team. Uh, felony arrest warrants were filed for both of them. Uh, you look at the charges, uh, robbery, conspiracy, and assault with a dangerous weapon. Uh, from everything I've read, you look at that affidavit, it sounds like this may have been all over a guy not selling some weed. And I, I really I really don't know what to say. Like, it, it's really easy to call these two guys dumb. And because it was dumb, it was stupid. Uh, There's no doubt about it, but it just, man, it just, it's upsetting for a lot of people. Not, not just because these were, these kids were really talented, but we all make mistakes, but not many of us make mistakes that uh, at this magnitude. Right. And there's no doubt they, they embarrassed OU, but you know, I, I, I feel like for some reason some people are rooting for this to ruin these kids' lives, and I, I don't want it that way. I, I hope it ends up working out for them uh, as best it can. Right? I mean, these are you know serious charges, but you know, I, I don't, I don't think everyone should give up on them. Is what I'm saying because I mean they're young. It's really, really dumb what they did, but. They're a part of the OU family, man. 
I mean, they're, they're part of the brotherhood that you and I are part of. And as stupid as what they did was, you just hope that they can overcome this eventually. And I mean, cause they're so young, they've got so much life left to live and this is always going to be with them. I mean, it's always going to fall them around. I just went, when this stuff came out and I heard Lincoln say that stuff, I was just like, man, this is, it sucks. I, I don't know, but I just, I just feel like people are piling on them and we could have come on here and just kept piling on them. And I just, it, it that didn't feel right for me to do. I, I just thought that, you know, I, I wish the best for them. Uh, I mean, I really do. I just hope that it, it doesn't end up costing them, you know, years of their life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What is the best for them? I don't know. I, that's, a, that's, that's a good. It's hard to, it's hard it, to, to get a grasp on that. What is, what is it to wish the best for them? Because, you know, uh, it, is it to maybe have to ha- like, because this is a serious crime, man. Oh yeah, it's a serious crime. So a lot of times you don't you don't realize how good you have it. I, gosh, I don't know. I just I just hate that it would ever come to this. I I can't. That's what I can't wrap my head around is how could it come to this? Um, I'm with you. I I hope that these these kids can because they are still kids learn from this and find a way to to fight back. I just fear, you know, whenever, whenever a a mistake like this is is made, if it does cost them years of your life, it's, it's like, man, when you've got, it's almost like you feel like, okay, well, it's predetermined. This is what uh, my life is going to be. This is the life I'm going to have to live. And I hope that they recognize that it doesn't have to be that way. And I don't know. Um, I know, man. It's 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 tough to talk about. You, you just it's it's hard to hard to grasp with how how it could come to this, how they could feel like this would ever be a good idea, or that they would need to do this. I just I don't know. I I guess maybe one of the the very few things out of this that you can grasp is say that my goodness, if this isn't a uh, a wake up call for other guys on the football team that, you know, and maybe everyone else is just squeaky clean, but you know, I, you know how it is in locker rooms. There's, there's, there's usually a, a group, no matter how big or small there's, there's, I don't want to call them bad apples, but I'm just there's hoping a group of, group of yeah. guys doing dumb stuff. Yeah. yeah. I just hope that this is a wake up call. Like, Oh my God. You know, if I see two of my teammates that now may be going off to prison or jail or whatever else. Yeah. I, I better, I better clean my act up a little bit. I've got it pretty good around here right now. Yeah. It's just waste this opportunity. It's just crazy to think about. I mean, you, you go back to training camp last year and we're on here and talking about how excited the coaches are about McGowan, right? Mm -hmm. And his – I mean, his dad was retweeting all the stuff. Like, I was putting together those Twitter clips, putting them out. Like, I was talking about McGowan. His dad's retweeting him, DMing me like, hey, 
Seth's so excited. We're so excited to watch him play. Like, See, we're, that's that's the other thing is I just I feel I feel so bad for the parents who, you know, you work your whole life just to set your kids up and go go have a better opportunity than what I had, and and to watch them waste it and throw it away is just got to be gut wrenching for a parent. Yeah, and you know, Trajan Bridges, I'm, and it's a, it's not about me, like, but I was one of many that was. You know, tweeting, hey, why is this kid not getting to play yet? NCAA, what the hell are y'all doing? Like, why is he not eligible? Like, all these things. And I don't regret saying any of that stuff because that's – I I would say it again. But, I mean, you just – I don't know, man. This whole thing has been – it's been a roller coaster for those two guys. And, I, I like you said, I don't know exactly what it means, but I wish them the best. I hope – I hope it – I hope it can work out for him. Uh, I really do. So we'll see, but yeah, Which, just side note, attorneys for both of them say that they're innocent. So true. Innocent until know, proven guilty. Still. In that's right. That's right. I, you know, they, there's some, some seems to be pretty damning things, but that is just one side. Uh, we haven't heard their side of the story at all yet. And uh, I don't know if it's one attorney for both or each individual attorney says that they're innocent and we'll, We'll see. We'll see what happens from it. Yeah. So just weird. What a weird situation. Okay. Let's move on to our interview with Michael Jr. But first, First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. They know that children need to be in school and are doing everything possible to make that happen. Bishop McGinnis students were welcomed back last August and and saw very few interruptions in 2020. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. All right, here he is, Mike Golick Jr. It is our pleasure to be joined by, I mean, he's the most handsome man. The handsomest, the most handsome, whatever the word is. He's our guy, Mike Golick Jr. You can catch him on ESPN Radio, on Shanae and Golick Jr. The radio show for what, for the teens, for the kids? Yeah, what do they always say? Wu-Tang is for the children? Like, Chenangola Jr. is for the children. I think that's our motto at this point. Absolutely. They play it on Team Bop or what? Or what's that? Uh, kid Bop? Kids we, do Bop? Need to, we do need to get, like, on a Kids Bop track. That would be the full <laughs> brand merger for us as the young. Because we already feel it. Like, you look around the lineup and you see all these guys in our national lineup that have been doing this forever. And Chenangola and I will just look at each other every once in a while, like, 
we just did a whole segment talking about like twerking or I almost fell out of my chair <laughs> trying to do it live. Like <laughs> somehow they keep letting us you know, have our badges work coming in the building every day. So it I don't ask the limits until they turn you down. Right. Exactly. I just keep showing up every day until my badge doesn't work. There we go. Okay. Go like so much going on in the sports world right now. And you're one of the guys that, is so dialed in to so many different things, but I did want to talk a little FCS college football with you because it, it's been really cool, man, seeing the FCS teams get some more TV time here in the spring. Uh, you were on the call for South Dakota State's beatdown of Delaware in the FCS final or FCS semifinals. Uh, how has it been covering some of that FCS stuff and? The national championship set, man. What what are you kind of seeing? Because that looks like it's going to be a great game. Yeah, it's been really interesting. You mentioned the exposure. So Matt Barry and I, who were on the call for the FCS quarterfinal and semifinal games that I did, we were together on Thursday nights in the fall. And it was a very similar setup where because the rollout for conferences like the Pac-12 and Big Ten came later on, the inventory for Thursday night games tended to be a ton of MAC games, a ton of American conference games, the Sun Belt. And we said in the fall, like, what great exposure to have a night of week that belongs to these conferences, the group of five conferences, in a way that allowed fans to maybe get more access to them than ever. So you're right, it's been the same during the spring, and it's been – incredible to see where these staffs have found some advantages. Like you talk to coaches who had a chance to watch other football for almost the first time in most of their careers during the fall, because they're usually knee deep in game plans. You had a whole class of freshmen that essentially became early enrollees. The game we just did for Delaware and South Dakota state, we talked to, to the Jackrabbits about Mark Gronowski, their true freshman quarterback, who's excelled this year was a runner up for the top freshman of the year in FCS. And they said this guy had so many practices under his belt by the time we got to this point because he was around all fall, because he was here for spring camp. And so it's been really interesting to watch them maneuver these things. I think a lot of people have a newfound appreciation. It was nice to get these games on E1, on ABC for the semifinals. And I I, got to like South Dakota State's chances now. I didn't get a chance to call any of Sam Houston States. And I was the idiot watching that game. I covered James Madison a week earlier. I tweeted out and I said, well, it looks like we're going to have James Madison and South Dakota State in the finals. These teams just to cut above the rest. I went and listen, I was tired after the game. So I took a little nap because at the half, their score looked like ours. All of a sudden I wake up in the third quarter and Sam Houston's up 11 and I don't know which way is up or down. So I saw Shid, their quarterback who did an outstanding job in that game, especially in the second half arms and legs. I think that's kind of the, the matchup with both of these quarterbacks, but I, I love the Jackrabbits up front on both sides of the ball. I knew their offensive line Gabe, but you'll appreciate the six Oh five hogs. Since there's Absolutely. only one area code in South Dakota, I found out. <laughs> a state of 800,000 people with one area code. So we've got the 605 Hogs. But defensively, up front for South Dakota State on their D-line, that was a dominant performance. Three- and four-man rushes getting home. So I, I like their chances heading into this matchup just because of the way they looked up front. So is there – because of all the, the crap that happened a year ago, this kind of – this thing just – you know, took place and here we are in the spring playing football. Have they looked at this and said, 
gosh, you know, maybe stepping away from from the fall and living in the shadows of everyone else. Maybe this is something we should at least evaluate and, and see if it will work out for us. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I didn't hear any commentary from any of these staffs on it. So this is just me thinking out loud. The one thing that may deter it is for some of these you know, marquee programs. I mean, South Dakota State, North Dakota State, uh, uh, James Madison. These teams are putting guys into the NFL on occasion. We saw Central Arkansas had Robert Rochelle taken in the draft. So if you're one of these teams, would you want to risk your potentially draft-eligible players opting out. Kay Johnson was a great wide receiver for South Dakota State who opted out of this season, ended up signing as an undrafted free agent with the Seahawks, but they were down his services because this happened, because you went without this fall. Now, we can say it's worked out for them, but I'm wondering how much they want to make a habit of this if it would mean some of their best players, maybe now at the transfer portal, uh, the one-time transfer rule, opting to jump up a level, play in the fall and better their chances for the pros. So there's a lot of things I think that are kind of just under the surface that might prevent this from being a full move. Okay. You are obviously a football guy. Do you like having this thing in the spring? Like, do you enjoy, because at points in time, like I, I turn it on and I'm like, this is awesome. Especially I, I watch it when you're on the call because you're tweeting about it. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch my buddy call the game. I'm watching. It's a good level of football, but sometimes I feel like I like that break from football in the spring to kind of recharge. So like, how, how do you feel about it? Have you enjoyed the FCS being played in the spring this year? I've enjoyed it. And I appreciate the work they put in. I think I'm like you where, there's something special about football having such an ownership stake over the fall. Like you step into the fall and we know our Saturdays and Sundays belong to college football and the NFL. And there's something that's great about knowing it's going to be in that spot. Cause you guys know this. I mean, if when we're covering the NFL, that's a year round business. College football's become year round business with spring football, with the way people cover recruiting. So it, there is part of me that enjoys getting a kind of get our heads back above water in all this. And we've had plenty of practice. Like we came off two straight years of the FX, uh, the uh, XFL, the Alliance of American football. Like we've had a lot of doses of spring football. And I think I'm with you. I kind of like, kind of like when you're in high school, I like going and playing lacrosse for a while, having basketball season, being able to work through these things. But there is a part of you that'll always, no matter what, like moss to a flame, if football's on, we're going to find our way there. Okay. So, it, it's a legit playoff, right? And they make their way and they have a legit champion. And there's really no one that can, well, maybe people can, but there's, there's not a whole lot, lot left up to, you know, uh, debate as to who should have been in, who shouldn't have. Having covered it now at a, at a deep level, do you look at this and say, this is what Division One should be doing? Or do you look at it and say, there's no way we should do this in Division One? I say we're going to get the same problems. That's the one thing that was most interesting to me because when I was getting ready to call these games, I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to listen to some of the podcasts. I'm going to listen to some of the people that cover the FCS full time and see what they have to say. And you heard the same arguments about how the hell did the Missouri Valley put five teams in here? What the hell were they doing with the seating, putting so-and-so? You know, James Madison was first in all the FCS polls during the season, but winds up a three seed. And so we saw a lot of the same arguments pop up. And for the expansion crowd, which I I know it's coming because it's going to involve more people. And I think that's what the FCS does is – 
it involves and it holds the interest of so many different teams by expanding the same arguments we have doing four teams just for them to 16. So I think the difference with FBS will obviously be what are they going to do to the regular season? We've got so much money tied up in TV contracts for these respective leagues. Are they going to be willing to potentially sacrifice a regular season game or two to knock this thing all the way out? And then, of course, divvying up the bull money. But it, it, it reinforced why expansion feels inevitable because it just expands all the arguments we're having now to more teams, which is more fun. I feel like in the expansion conversation, you, you have to pick a number. Right, because we all like, like you said, it's inevitable. Are you a eight-team guy, twelve-team guy, sixteen guy? Which I was shocked when they actually said they were discussing twelve. I don't know what sixty-three combinations they went through, (laughs) but it seems like those are the choices. Like eight, twelve, sixteen, ten doesn't make any sense to me. So, like, is there a certain number you think that the the CFP will end up with? I Give think us all it, your insider ESPN information, okay? Well, what you mentioned is the truth. So, like every year, we have like this, you know, seminar for college football before the season, and when we hear from Bill Hancock and these people, and it's nothing like it's not off the record or anything like that, but we get to talk to them kind of before the rest of the public is hearing from them, and when we heard them whispering about college football expansion, like saying it out loud, like you just mentioned, it's like. Oh, okay. The minute they start to say things out loud, you know, they've already worked through all of the Dr. Strange 14 million possible outcomes for this. I I think eight would end up being the magic number. I think we know in college football that beyond that, like eight, nine number, you're going to see a pretty big drop off in who it's actually possible to win a national title for. We've seen so many blowouts in the first round. I mean, hell, I've gotten to witness a couple of those firsthand for the fighting Irish. Same. We know it's a difficult no uphill battle <laughs> for the rest of college football to match up with what has been Bama and Clemson and, you know, the occasional Ohio state appearance in the early course of the college football playoffs. So I think it's a sweet spot where I can still trust. These are blue chip talented teams, teams that are going to go out there and field close to comparable levels of talent that might be able to switch it up on a given day. You'll get a group of five team in there. You'll get, you know, what would have been this year's Cincinnati or in years past UCF. And I think it feeds enough mouths in the college football ecosystem. I, oh my gosh, I consider it to be the dumbest thing in all of sports that there's like you, you mentioned there's a drop off between uh, eight and nine. How about, Eight and 105. There's like 130 Division One schools, and they're all playing for the same thing. But a, a massive majority of those teams are never in the fight at all. They're just there. Why? Why do we have the non-power five schools? Why are they not competing for their own championship? Do they want? Do they even want to? I just, I think it's so dumb that a school can go undefeated and not even have a chance to play for a national championship in that sport? So I think even if we made a separate national championship, there'd be an understanding it was a lesser, right? Like there'd be an understanding that it's not the one that we're going to celebrate. And I, I really, again, going back through this fall and getting to cover a lot of games in the group of five, you're reminded that the best parts of college football are like the sweet, finer notes 
that come from when this was a really regional sport. Like right now, football, college football has become a national game. The college football playoffs consolidated all of it there. Like the best parts of college football are regional and conference rivalries. It's for a lot of people, and I know this sounds funny coming out of the mouth of an independent, but like it's going and finding a way to win your conference. It's all of these things for programs that I got to see firsthand in the fall that were still incredible motivators, including getting to certain bowl games. We know right now the top ranked group of five team gets to have their crack in a new year's six bowl. Like those are all things that we see still matter a lot. And so, you know, we can tie it up with a nice bow and put it in a different package, but I don't know if it's going to accomplish anything different. I think it's just kind of a good reminder for all of us that, you get to decide with your own perspective what you enjoy about college football. And we can make it all about the national championship. But I think when we do that, especially for, like you said, the teams that in their heart of hearts know they're not going to compete for a national championship with Alabama, I think we're missing out on a lot of the best parts of the game. While expansion is coming, name, image, and likeness is here, right? And you look at Mississippi, the state of Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, even though Georgia's laws got that weird 75% thing in it, which I still don't understand that, but they all have NIL laws going into effect July 1st. Now, Mark Emmert has come out this weekend and said that he's pushing the NCAA's board to get something done on name, image, and likeness before then as a man that has covered college football for quite some time now. How much faith do you have in the old NCAA that uh, something will get done? The 11th hour, if I've ever seen it. <laughs> yeah, this is this is an audio medium, so I'll, I'll verbally font what I'm holding up to you guys right now. There's a 0% chance that I trust Mark Emmert to do anything other than wave whatever their version of the white flag is here. And I've seen Nicole Arbach and the, uh, some of the folks at The Athletic put out pretty detailed look at what the plans can look like. We know a lot of the college basketball players that were demanding a meeting with Mark Emmert before the tournament were saying they want a waiver that just basically washes the NCAA's hands of it so that if you're a player trying to do this in a state that doesn't yet have legislation in place, you're not going to get dinged for it. And I'm sure the number one driver for that is going to be coaches. Like the last thing you want to do is be the coach that's got to recruit against this now because Quite frankly, we saw the headline pop up uh, last week. Duquesne hired a brand coach for their team. And they did that with the acknowledgement that part of it's like, we got to kind of grab the headline in a different way because we've read North Carolina, the other big schools of the world. They've already been working with these companies that have popped up to help kids try and profit off this and try and navigate this new landscape as best they can. So uh, everyone I think is really on the school level been preparing for this for some extent already and so now it's going to be these coaches these ad's i mean some of them most of them the highest paid employees in their state really starting to pound the pavement and say all right we got to accelerate this process here because i don't want to have to walk into a living room and explain to a five-star linebacker why he's going to come here and play for the scholarship and all the normal stuff but he's going to be able to go and rake in tens of thousands of dollars posting stuff on his Twitter account come fall if he signs with X program that's already got it figured out. So I think Mark Emmert's going to have to just wave the white flag on this because they've continued to kick the ball down the road. 
I think trying to call other people's bluff to see if they maybe forget about this or just opt and hope that Congress would bail everyone out sooner than they have. But at the end of the day, they, they got dragged kicking and screaming to this, and that's how it's going to end for them. Well, yeah, and it, you're right, and it's and it's happening. And, and what is it? What's it going to look like? We don't know. But I, I'd love to hear what you think. Some of the good things that are going to come out of this are and. What some of the bad things, because we all know, no matter what it is, there's always going to be some unintended consequences that people are going to try and leverage. Yeah, I mean, listen, on the on the bad side of things, you're still going to get like the recruiting funny money that winds up in college football and is in college football in a number of places already it's going to have a new avenue. And so I'm sure there's going to be even more creative accounting that goes on with bag men with the kind of things that we've seen. But my thought process has always been, like you said, there's always going to be bad that comes with these things. So it doesn't mean we don't, we stop pursuing the good because the good that comes from this is campus wide. Like, and and I know we we've beaten this to the ground over and over again, but everyone's going to be able to make something off this. Like you guys know, like you couldn't even, you know, promote a camp you were back in your hometown using your name or using your status as a student athlete you couldn't go around on campus I mean hell our women's basketball team is like the most popular team in the South Bend community at Notre Dame like locally there would be opportunities going out of style and then we know social media it's a place where so many of these kids live already and are so savvy I mean hell we just saw an entire sport in women's college basketball essentially grabbed the reins of the conversation through TikTok, through posting videos of their circumstances. And so I think it's just going to allow a lot of players to make easy money. I mean, you guys know this and probably like I did play with plenty of guys that were, you know, sending home whatever stipend money or extra scholarship money they had to help their folks keep the lights on, to help pay for certain bills. Like plenty of guys have to grow up way sooner than they should, but that's the reality of the situation is people come to college, people play football for all different reasons. And so now for guys that might be really great college players and never have a name beyond that, they're going to get to capitalize on that period because the rest of this has become too big business to ignore. It's not that, uh, you know, a uh, 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 scholarship and, and that going towards your education and leaving without a mound of debt is an incredible and an incredible opportunity, but it's an acknowledgement that that has been the baseline and the rest of this has continued to grow. And we haven't really matched that with inflation, even with the stipends, even with all these other things that have popped up along the way. And so this might do something in the matter of sort of course correcting that for the time being, at least. So, one of the interesting things for me about name, image, and likeness is, and, and a lot of people have talked about college football playoff expansion, maybe bringing more parity to college football because, you know, some people are tired of just watching Bama and Clemson. I'm not one of those people. I like watching the best players. I'm cool with it. But do you think this name, image, and likeness stuff where a guy can go to another school, maybe a smaller school, and be the guy and kind of cash in on being the guy as opposed to going to Bama or Ohio state sitting for a couple of years, waiting his turn. Do you think some guys will decide to go other places and maybe we could get a few more good teams or maybe some more competitive games or something in the sport? Yeah, I think this and the one-time transfer rule coming to life together 
are going to be a really big boom for that. Cause I mean, just look at college, ba- college football in the last, you know, five years, look at how many Kyler Murray's Joe Burrows, Justin, F- Justin Fields, like most of the best college football quarterbacks have been transfer quarterbacks that were sitting in loaded QB rooms that you're right. If we had done this the normal way, if we had done this the way that they were doing with quarterbacks at USC, when we were growing up, and we watch them, all right, go start for a year, go to the NFL, next guy that had been waiting there. Like we spread that talent around, especially at the quarterback position. And we let guys go that year and have a chance to impact the game. I think you have a lot better chance of that. The the end all be all would be reducing scholarship limits. That would be probably the thing that would even out the talent level the most and keep schools like Alabama and Georgia and Ohio state from clogging all the depth on their rosters. But I, I think name, image and likeness, being able, I mean, we've seen some of that cool factor and that want to be the guy at other places already pop up in certain spots. I mean, look at what Deion Sanders has done at the HBCU level. Look at some of the you know big time recruits that he's been able to coax over there, get to transfer there. So you're already seeing some of that pull to other areas that I think is going to be made stronger by both those things. I'm fascinated by college football, such a weird animal, such a weird beast, the recruiting, it just how you have to manage all your players. It's so different than the NFL, but now I've watched Urban Meyer make the jump and and we've always seen and theorized what would happen if certain coaches went to the NFL and, you know, at one time it looked like Urban Meyer's never going to coach again. And then a day later, it's like, ah, this may happen. And I got to tell you, I, we, they haven't played a game or haven't even been close to that, but I'm liking some of the moves and some of the things that he's done down there at Jacksonville. You think it works? Um, I, I think it's got a good shot for a couple of reasons. For me, the biggest one is the youth on that roster. Like, I think for Urban Meyer, as he makes this transition, he's never struck me as like, you know, a, like a PJ Fleck, who's going to go in with a lot of the rah-rah stuff, mm-hmm. you know, pull cotton out of his pocket at the pep rally, all that, like, that was never Urban Meyer. Urban was always the CEO. And as he moved stops, he always kind of learned and adjusted the way that he went about things. And I, I think that mentality always plays well at the NFL level, but there's still going to be some things he's got to grow through. And I think being able to do it with a roster that's largely made up of guys early on in their careers, a lot of their key players are first contract guys, guys that quite frankly grew up with Urban Meyer, known as one of the best coaches in college football history. And so you can walk in with a little cachet as opposed to having to deal with a bunch of nine and 10 year vets who, if you start spouting off, are going to look at you like, all right, rookie coach, like, get out of my face with that. I'm the one that's actually been around here. So I think he's got a good shot. I mean, he just got handed the the best player in college football from last year, who seems like someone who's a true culture shifter of a player, someone who can get you out of a lot of problems. So I, I, I think they've got a pretty good shot, but as Urban's seeing already, it's a little different when you don't get to make all of the decisions and when the decisions that you make going back to the Chris Doyle hire from not too long ago are scrutinized in a way that maybe aren't when you're protected by that, you know, bubble around certain campuses and some of these big time programs. Okay. NFL wise, what the hell's going on with the Aaron Rodgers thing? I, I mean, what, <laughs> how, what, why, like, how, how do you think this ends up? playing out man because it got it got really really weird the timing on draft night was bizarre he was giving stuff or his agent whoever was giving stuff to 
it seemed like everybody that was covering the draft. I mean, it was calculated and weird. I, how do they fix it or does it get fixed? I, I don't think it does. Like, and we've kind of played this game of chicken all offseason with quarterbacks, right? Like, we thought Russell Wilson in Seattle, there was no way that that was going to work. And somehow it did. You know, the Deshaun Watson situation was trending this way. And then we know that's been derailed by very serious legal allegations that make this not a football conversation with him anymore. But we kind of saw it had this same tenor to it where there seems to be genuine disdain. And for Aaron Rodgers, it's Brian Guttengoon's their GM, who seems to be the source of his ire. And now it's gotten very public and on multiple occasions. Because that was the other thing about draft night. That wasn't the first time we had heard this. Like, this was largely rehashed information, but it was on a, at a time of year where all the attention was going to be on it, where we wondered, could Green Bay make something happen before the draft? And if you've got a quarterback who, listen, like we, we all saw him at the Kentucky Derby dressed up like bizarro Willy Wonka and like saying to Mike Tirico, you know, it's really unfortunate that this stuff got out about our relationship, but didn't do a damn thing to refute it. So I think it's just going to be a matter of how far does he want to push the pedal down? Like how uncomfortable, like are we due for an Aaron Rodgers appearance on McAfee where he really just lights the powder keg on this thing once and for all says the thing very publicly, like sort of the James Harden esque no going back where he's on the court throwing in the towel. He's in the post-game press conference. It is what it is. Like Aaron Rodgers isn't going to have the luxury of getting to the season and doing that because if it gets to that point, he's going to have to sit. But I just think he seems to be genuinely ticked off at these guys in a way that with what we also have heard about Aaron Rodgers anecdotally, he seems to be a guy who remembers a lot of what gets said. He seems to be a very prideful guy and one that we know it seems difficult, like, but a lot of the great ones are. And for a talent like that, you usually make it work. And in this case, they felt like they knew better and it backfired on them. How do you play this? If you're, if you're green Bay, if you're on that side of things, okay, you've got a franchise quarterback. That's been unbelievable for you. He won a super bowl, uh, just played at maybe his best level ever, but at the same time, the end is near. It's well, I guess you would think that it is. How do you play this? Do you try and say we drafted a guy that we believe in a year ago that we think maybe as a future it could be a year or two in learning, but we like this kid. I guess it depends on what they think of him first and foremost. But do you try and use this as a chance to get value? Or is this like the ultimate game of poker where you kind of have to call him on his bluff and you plan on him being your quarterback next year? And that's that's what you stick to. So this is where it gets really interesting because you're right. It's all about what they think of Jordan Love. If they think Jordan Love could go out there and especially because we talked about last year, like the, the conversation about Green Bay's roster has sort of been kind of like the conversation about Mac Jones in the NFL draft where he was overrated for a while. Then he felt like he was underrated. And ultimately he's drafted exactly where he probably should have been at 15 to the Patriots. The Packers roster is one where we have raked it over the coals and said, man, they need to, how are they not getting Aaron Rodgers to anything, all that stuff, when they might have one of the better offensive lines in the league and certainly maybe the best left tackle in the league. They've got a bona fide stud number one wide receiver. Like they've got one of the best, most efficient running backs in football. There's more there than nothing, but it's the principle of what they've done. 
And so if you trust Mike LaFleur's, uh, Matt LaFleur's progress as a play caller, if you trust the rest of that offense around Jordan Love and you ultimately believe, all right, your quarterback had time last year, developed behind closed doors in the building and you're confident, then you play the game of chicken. Then you stare at Aaron Rodgers and say, we're going to go out here and assume you're the quarterback. And if not, you can sit and risk watching the backup go out there and ball. Because that's the worst case scenario for Aaron is he sits real meaningful time and Jordan Love looks incredible and the offense barely misses a beat. And we start thinking, well, was it more of the system than it was Aaron Rodgers? Was Aaron Rodgers a little more 2019 than we gave him credit for? That's the nightmare scenario if you're confident in Green Bay. If not, you got to keep trying to go out there and see if you can just throw enough money at him to make this go away. Like we've heard plenty of reports that they've offered to make him the highest paid quarterback in football. And he's so pissed off that he turned it down. Like maybe at some point that number just gets too good. And the assurance that, all right, Green Bay basically swallows their pride, says we were wrong and gives him money through and has to see if they can sell off Jordan Love. That would be if you're not confident in the guy that you traded back into the first round and drafted. Looking at the other big stories in the sports world right now, I will uh, I will spare you the pain of talking about the twenty one and forty seven Oklahoma City Thunder. But <laughs> you look at you look at the NBA right now; it's getting to be that time. A lot of talk about the playing games now. You're you're hearing players say, it. obviously, when LeBron says something about it, uh, that makes a lot of waves. So, what what do you think? of the play-in format because i'm not gonna lie dude i i kind of dig it i I, i'm more invested in watching some of these games than i feel like i've ever been oh i i completely agree i I, when we tried this in the bubble last year that was one of my huge takeaways is this play-on tournament was a, a huge win for them and we know for the nba part of that win is trying to curb tanking get more teams trying to have access to the playoffs so you got few going south trying to play for a number one pick, but for all the complaints, like we've heard, and I I saw some people saying like, what if this play in tournament costs you the Lakers who have been struggling in the Western conference, the Celtics who have struggled at times in the Eastern conference this year, two of the marquee brands in the NBA. What if you lose out on those guys? I said, all right, well, you know what? There's an argument to be made that like they need to be better. Like having bad versions of those teams in the postseason, while it's nice to sell tickets, is going to be short-lived if they suck. The other thing is, well, let's say it goes the other way. Like I think this could have just as much of a chance to save some teams if you have some of those key brands that are on the bubble and all this. Like look at Golden State. Golden State's a team that where they've sat for a lot of the season would have been left out of the playoffs. And now if they sneak in, I think they're an eight seed right now, but let's say they had dropped down to a nine seed, but Steph Curry's on this individual tear and you get him and they win and come out of that. Now you've got one of the marquee brands in basketball that because of the play-in tournament had a chance at this postseason that would have other, wouldn't have otherwise existed. So I think for the guys that are going to ha- be forced to play in it yeah. Yeah, it sucks for them. They know it's not about them. This is about the bigger picture, but I think it's going to do just as much good in getting some of those names and teams potentially involved at times where they struggle. One of the things I love about it is, we talked about this before, Gabe, is whether you are a, a fan of one of those teams that's that's in the, in the play-in or not, America loves win or go home, right? No matter what the sport is, when it's win or go home, like I'll tune in to watch if I know those guys are going to be dying over every shot because they got a playoff check, you know, coming up, uh, you know, if, if they get the win, people will tune into that. And 
that gives you a big exposure to maybe uh, players and, and leagues and, and, and different the people that just typically wouldn't tune in. You get some different eyeballs. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I'm And now they didn't end up making it in the play-in tournament, but I'm going to use the bubble concept in the same way last year. Like, look at what that added exposure, the eight games they decided did for the Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. Like they met, we like Devin Booker was a star name coming out of there. They were the talk of the town for going undefeated in the bubble and just missing out on the playoffs. And it was the springboard into a Phoenix Suns team that's now been second or third in the Western Conference for most of the season. So I'm with you. I think, especially in a league that we know, like LeBron and these guys are getting older. A lot of these guys have been beat up, the marquee stars. They're, they're getting closer and closer to the finish line. As we look at Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray and this next wave of stars, these are great areas and great proving grounds for, like last year, them to build postseason folklore because that, that's the thing that we build stars on in the NBA is what have you done in big-time moments in the playoffs that we can believe in the next time you get there? Okay. I do not want you to incriminate yourself. So plead <laughs> the fifth if you Uh-oh. must. Do you watch baseball? Because very I don't. I so don't, I, uh, very, very little. But and, and this is kind of like the, the backdoor trick that we've done, because like we don't end up talking a ton of baseball unless it's, you know, some big picture story. But we decided as a show, you know what, this year we're going to try as best we can to stick with and follow the Padres. We made a big dog and pony show of it. We said, all right, young team, Fernando Tatis, the name everybody's going to know. They play in the same division as the Dodgers, and we saw how those series were. And so we're kind of using that as a gateway into hopefully being able to just kind of have that tool in our bag from now on. Well, there you go. Because I I was thinking about it, and I was like, (laughs) Man, should I ask Goldick about baseball? He's probably got to talk about baseball on his national radio show. And then I was like, he doesn't like baseball. He's always tweeting about lacrosse. I can say, man, my springs bought up by stick sports, like the, the other stick sport, I should say. We, by the way, for anyone you know watching, uh, oh, just it would have happened a half hour ago. Selection Sunday on ESPNU for men's and women's college lacrosse. Notre Dame was looking like a four seed right now, and the final four is in Connecticut this year. So I'm a kid in a candy store, man. There you go. Awesome. Mike, you're the best. You're you're the best doing it, man. I'm so happy all the success you've got going on. I love you. You're the best. Thank you for joining us. Love you too, buddy. Thank you guys for having me. Always a ton of fun. And uh, I'm going to go see if that's actually Ivy or not. (laughs) Yeah, where are you? Don't touch it. I'm out in Scottsdale, man. It's it's a beautiful west you know western time zone sunset right now so i'm soaking it in well nice. get get you a, a nice glass of red wine and go soak in that sunset buddy i just went to the grocery store and got some you know me well sir Atta boy. all right man see you <laughs> see you guys always fun catching up with our boy golik oh love that guy i think i told him i loved him like six times so hopefully i didn't make that did i did I say I love you too many times to him? Uh, it it bordered on awkward, but you didn't quite cross the threshold. So you're good, I think. That honestly describes me as a person pretty well. <laughs> that's that's pretty spot on by you, sir. Okay, let's move on to our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, do you own a business? 
if you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. And make sure you connect with our friends at Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. Their licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection okay winners and losers of the weekend ted who do you got as your winner of the weekend well i thought about going with the uh the stars t-ball team participated in a tournament this weekend bombs for your mom's t-ball tournament got a ring second place ring it was fun uh, it was brutal out there today with the wind blowing and dust blowing, but it, your face doesn't, your face looks fine. It's not red or anything. You're fine. I made a kid cry. Uh, <laughs> Whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're not just going to blow through that. Explain yourself immediately, sir. I'm what you may call an intense first base coach. And part of it is because my son he requires like, I'm not yelling at my son. It's just, everything has to be like a, a volume that, cause he is so like, like paying attention to other things. I've got to give him a loud burst of sound to snap him out of it. So whenever I'm first base coach and I'm getting the kids to run through first base, it could be pretty loud. And I don't know. I don't want to say aggressive, but, I guess I scared a kid and he was crying. And I was like, what's wrong, dude? You're safe. You made it. That's why you run all the way through the base. Good job. And he's like uh, trying to breathe and crying. And I was like, are you okay? What's wrong? He's like, I just scared. I was like, just scared because I was yelling at you. I'm sorry, man. You did great. You did great. You did exactly what I was asking you to do. So that was a, that was a, you know, I was like, God, I don't think I'm being that guy, but maybe I am. Maybe I am, Dave. Dude, I you're know. totally that guy. <laughs> I bet your veins were popping out of your neck. You, oh. Just right. <laughs> I would pay good money to see that footage of that kid crying because you were, were you just yelling run? Run, like, because we were playing a really good team, which, by the way, there was a, our team is six. And this team is all five-year-olds, and they are really good, like shockingly good for five-year-olds. And they kicked our butt. But um, 
like if you hit a grounder in the infield, like it's coming to first base and it's probably going to beat you there if you're not running full speed. That's how good they are. Usually in T-ball, like if you make contact with the ball, you're getting on base. Like it's rare that you get out. So this team, they're, they're gunning you out at first. So I'm trying to get them to run all the way through the bag. And if I don't tell them to run all the way, they'll like stop and look and – I don't know. It's time to what, reevaluate hey, my process. I think whatever, whatever you got to tell yourself, man. Hey, he was fine after that. He was fine after that. There just you go. Little, oh. Just a little scared. That's so good. Okay, who do you, who, who do you have as uh, your winner of the weekend? I had to go. Let's stick with the diamond sports. I had to stay with uh, OU softball, locking up their ninth consecutive Big Twelve regular season title. Uh, tough little series up in Stillwater. Um, a lot of fun, but this team, Gabe, I mean, we can talk about the superlatives all day. 16-1 in league play, only lost the one game there to state in the series. 42-2 and two overall. Um, this team's going to go right to the championship. They've got a good chance to win another uh, natty. This, this group is a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and – it, like you said, it, it it was a tough series for him. Dropped the first one. Uh, third one was got interesting there, right? They got yeah. out to the big 9-1 lead, and you're like, okay, we're cruising. And let's be real. And I, and I think this says a lot about Patty Gasso's team. Like, Juarez and Sale weren't at their best mm-hmm. in that third game, right? They were getting beat up. Sale couldn't find the strike zone when she came in for Juarez. And – how about the freshman coming in, uh, Nicole Magus, really coming up clutch for that team. And, you know, Jada Coleman, I, first of all, love that kid's energy. Let's go. But with a full house in Stillwater, how about uh, that was interesting timing on that. Yeah. Oh, we're going to 100% capacity for this. You know, the uh, centers are coming to town, which, by the way, I guess this is the first time they've played three in one location, right? It's usually split up. I think Plank told me it's the first time since 1997. We actually had Kenny Gajewski, who's OSU softball coach, on my serious show this week. He's been pushing for it for years because his reasoning was that it gets you more ready for regionals because that's how the regional format it is. You play three in a row, like that one spot. So that was his argument and that they didn't have enough quality series in the big 12 conference. Like some of the sec teams have in their conference play. So that's what, I mean, that's what he said. He said, Patty Gasso was pissed at him for it though. Well, uh, I, I thought it made for, uh, made for a great series, obviously good move or bad move, uh, of Oki state turning off the scoreboard behind where the Sooners were taking their, their picture. Uh, I thought that was, I thought that was well done. I thought that was well done. I will say this because that that's, what was it? The second game is when Patty Gasso got tossed, right? The one that was uh, on Saturday is, I think that's right. I would, I would pay so much money to have that audio of her laying in to that umpire. First of all, like the, they knocked her. They knocked her hand off the base. Everyone saw it. And like, I wonder what she said because you got to say something extreme to get tossed out of a softball game. I feel like you don't see that every day, especially not 
has Patty Gasso, I'm sure she's been tossed before and I just can't remember it, but that was one of those moments where I was like, ESPN, do what's right and give us that audio. Bleep it, edit it, do what you have to do, but we need to hear it. Yeah. Can I ask a quick semi-related question? Absolutely. Championship game of the T-ball tournament. I'm coaching first base. And this is the reason why I yell at the kids and have to pound it into their head to keep running. There's going to be a play at first. Our kid, like, stops a foot short, just stops, hits the brakes. Because their their first baseman was kind of blocking the base a little bit. So a lot of our kids kept, like, he was just, like, he, he was over a lot of first base. So they kept, like, getting up there, and they were, like, didn't know what to do, and they'd kind of stop. So one of our kids stops. The kid catches it. Then our kid puts his foot down blatantly out and they call him safe so and i'm right there as the first base coach and it's not even close he's out and the opposing coaches challenged it and everything they ruled him safe what do i do you don't say shit (laughs) i listen like okay if if homeboy is if he is blocking the bag First of all, I, I'm not coaching T-ball yet. I, I doubt it's in my future. I'll probably just be the dad in the stands not saying anything. But if he's really in the base path, you got to steamroll that dude. I mean, Let's, someone's got someone's to teach him a lesson. Maybe, hey, maybe we're, we're breaking a leg. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just – maybe I'm crazy, but – I'll just tell you that – got to get him off the bag, Teddy. You can't let him hog the bag. In some form or another, Gabe, I discussed with my son that the baseline is his. Okay, that's that's how that discussion went. <laughs> A little. I mean, I'm just kind of. That's that. I I had that discussion about about the back. We are we are cut from the same cloth, sir. <laughs> no, but okay. So you, I don't say anything, right? That's what I did. But I was like, oh my god, he. I mean, it wasn't even close. Do you hey, I think, think everyone in the entire place, like all of our parents, everyone knew he was out except for the umpires. The two umpires are the only people there that didn't see it. Do you think the umpires were like, hey, this kid, he's he's all over the baseline. Next guy, we're calling him safe. Like, yeah, yeah maybe we're, so. we're, we're going to throw him a bone. It would have been a really big deal had they not uh, killed us like 20 something to seven. But, you know, yeah. OK. All yeah. right. I don't think you did anything wrong. <laughs> the first thing I thought about was that, remember that stupid NCAA commercial where it like touches the kid's hand. He's like, coach, I touched it. <laughs> and the coach does, he like goes and tells the ref, I touched it. They give it to the other team. Like that would never happen. Like when the <laughs> world would do that. Yeah. Hey, honesty is great. Winning is better. I'm just, <laughs> that's, that's right. But, uh, don't, Hey, don't let it, don't let it, uh, Sit on your conscience, man. You're okay. good. You're all good. Right. You're fine. Fair, hey, fair enough. the other team, they got their first place ring. They're all good. Yeah, they did. I still can't get over you making the kid cry. That's so <laughs> good. Okay, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Well, you just said that the other team had their um, their first place ring. I thought about going with the USCSA. I don't know if you can see that, but it says tournament 
finalist. There is no championship ring, first place ring, and second place ring, Gabe. Mm. It's tournament finalist. You can see right there, finalist. Our YouTube, our YouTube viewers are gonna really that. First of all, that's a nice ring. A nice it is. Pe- is that pink? <laughs> yeah, it's pink. It's the bombs for your mom's ah. Mother's Day. Hey, I'm all, Which, I'm all for the pink. This team we play was a travel team, and they all had like their mom's name on the back of their really cool one wear them once uniforms, and that's it. But um, I. Were you playing the Los Angeles Dodgers? What the hell was going on? We're playing all of the Los Angeles Dodgers kids, I think. They were unbelievable. Um, I know they're six. They can handle it. They know they lost the game. Okay. We were keeping score and everything. It's okay to get second place. They can handle it, but I don't know. I, I thought about going with that, but instead, Gabe, I went with pretty much everyone else. Nick Saban and Alabama, this one time transfer thing. I feel like it could be the death of college football. He warned us. Everyone's going to Alabama. They just got the, um, am I saying it right? 2020 kid, Henry. Henry Toa Toa. Okay. Out of Tennessee, fantastic linebacker. And I know Heupel and those guys were doing everything they could to keep him around, been in the transfer portal, but he goes to Alabama. He, you know, he's one of maybe the best linebacker in the country. Um, they got the uh, Jamison Williams kid, Ohio State wide receiver, really good player there, highly recruited player. And, I, you know, maybe that's it. I don't know. Maybe there's more to come. Not necessarily sure, but Saban lost guys to the draft, and he's already making up for it a little bit with the transfer portal. And those guys, yes, will be eligible immediately and uh, i know in the sec they still haven't changed their interconference transfer rule right. they will it's coming but nick saban told us it, it's very similar to when all the rpo s- stuff started and he was like hey are y'all sure this is what you want college football to be that was not like that that was more of a warning than a question like you're <laughs> sure He said the same stuff about the transfer portal where he's like, guys, I know how you think this is going to work, but I'm telling you, I'm just going to get all of your players. They're all going to want to come play for me. Now he didn't say it that directly, but he basically was like, yeah, this could be, this could be an issue for a lot of people. He is what, what is the school going to tell their kid? Like, Hey, don't go to Alabama. Why would you do that? With with the amount of games they win and the draft picks that he puts out, like, what do you say? It, is your only thing like, hey, man, you may not be good enough to get on the field? That's like, the only thing you have, which you yeah. never want to tell a kid, right? You're not good enough to play there. What? Wait, hang on. What did you say? Is that my fault or is that your fault? Yeah, so, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's especially when they keep pumping out. I know it's not every year, but what, six first-rounders, and it's just, it's crazy. Yeah, so, yeah, I think Alabama's going to be, I think they're going to be pretty good next year. And I think they're going to be good the year after that, and after that, and after that, and after that, and <laughs> hopefully by then, Saban's like, you know what, I've won enough. I'm good. I, I want to play golf. Here's what's crazy, Gabe. I don't even know 
honestly, if I think they may just now be starting to hit their peak because of, I, oh. I think the college football playoff thing, man, it's, it's made the, the strong get even stronger. I went back and looked like over the last five recruiting classes, Oklahoma has five composite five-star uh, recruits over the last five recruiting classes. Alabama has 22. Georgia has 23. Uh, Ohio State has 19. Like Those teams are getting stronger and stronger and stronger and separating themselves more and more. And now you add the transfer portal to the mix and, you know, it's, it's just, it's even more strength for those guys. Saban warned us. We didn't listen. Always listen to Lord Saban. Okay, guys, spring is here and you know what that means. It's hard seltzer season, baby. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast. And that is Will and Wiley hard seltzer from Coupe Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool at the lake and at the tailgate and on the golf course on mother's day. Just, uh, Hmm. Just, uh, threw that I in there. Like you know? that. It's made in Oklahoma and it is absolutely delicious. Will and Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now, right now in a store near you and go follow them on social media at, at will and Wiley. Okay. For my winner of the weekend, thought about going with China because that rocket of theirs that was just out of control coming crashing towards earth. Hey, it ends up landing in the Indian ocean, Ted. So it didn't hurt anyone. Didn't kill anybody. That was good. That was a good, I mean, it's like, Hey, if you're in the Western hemisphere, you may want to just watch out. You never know if a rocket's going to come careening down on top of your house. It had, it had kind of an Armageddon feel to it, <laughs> maybe with less Aerosmith, but I, I don't know, but I was glad I was like, okay, landed safely. Didn't kill anyone. That's a good thing. Also thought about going with DK Metcalf. Anybody making fun of him for time for last in that race? Like, what are you doing? I mean, that dude went out and did something that there's not many people on the planet can do in the first place. And I I get it, but this kid, he hasn't run track since high school and just casually busts out like a 1036, 1037, whatever it was. That is flying at that size. It is. And you can go back and watch it. I watched it and he's got all of, uh, he's got another tenth in there. He's the biggest guy there, right? And I don't know the last time he ran a hundred meter sprint. It's probably been a really long time, but he's got a lot of, of a lot of adrenaline. He wants to run really fast. So whenever you watch out of the gates, he's the first guy that pops up, and he should be the last guy because he's the biggest, longest guy. His drive face should be way longer, but. You see all the other guys are down driving and he's up running. He's just he's just not a season. He's going against a bunch of track guys that have been running a bunch of races with more time, more polish. I, I guarantee you he could trim plenty of time off of that. And it just proves that the guy's just an absolute freak. I love he, it. He is I mean, he's an alien. <laughs> like oh, he was flying, bro. But I feel like he would have run the same exact time if he was wearing his full pads, helmet, shoulder pads, everything. He would run. Hey, if you just stick Buda Baker out in front of him, he probably he needs, got, that's what he needs a rabbit. Yeah, he, he needs, needs a, a rabbit greyhound. He needs a rabbit out there to chase down. But my winner of the weekend is Steph Curry. He was he was awesome against the Thunder on Saturday night. 
goes for 49 points, didn't even play in the fourth quarter. And I think now that the Thunder and Warriors, like that rivalry isn't what it was a couple of years ago, right? Where it felt like that's kind of where the NBA championship was going through, like one of those teams. But I, I feel like I can appreciate him more now because him playing well doesn't make me as sad or angry. <laughs> and he's amazing. I mean, he, he was – you go look at that game. He was just ridiculous – in the first quarter, ridiculous in the third quarter. And I we may get a Warriors-Lakers matchup in that 7-8 play-in game, which is awesome. But Steph Curry is the best shooter in the history of basketball ever. I mean, no one has ever been able to shoot the ball like this guy. And it's it's fun to watch. I mean, it's really fun to watch. He's very likable to me. And I, I also really, and maybe one of the real reasons he was my winner of the weekend is because I appreciate him contributing to the uh, Thunder tanking cause. Thank you. Thank you, Kerr. Thank you, Mr. Curry. But he is, I mean, he's unbelievable, man. I don't know what to say. Like watching him when it, he, when, when he is feeling it, I don't know if there's, a more entertaining thing to watch in sports than him just going off shooting the basketball. It, it is absolutely mesmerizing to watch. It's insane. What was, what was the game? Whenever he hit the long one, it'd be right bang where game. you guys, is that, was that it? it yeah. My green of- double bang <sighs> hurt my soul. They were in the stupid sleeved black jerseys. Oh God. Well, it, here's, the, here's what's insane, which he's, He's likable whenever they're where they are now in the standings. Whenever they're at the top of the standings and I have to watch him chew on that stupid mouthpiece, which I cannot stand. If he didn't do that, I would probably like the guy a lot more. But we've we've been worn down over time with Steph Curry. We're worn down. It's amazing to us what he's doing. But Gabe, if you went back to the late 80s or early 90s and showed them where he hits threes from on a regular basis, no one would believe what they're watching. No one would believe that. You can't take that shot in a basketball game with someone guarding you. No one would do that. That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And he does it, and somehow he's become efficient at it. It is amazing what these guys really – He's he's changed the game dramatically. That shot was it was a circus shot. It was the end of a quarter shot, maybe trying to get a two for one or something like that. It wasn't a routine shot. He's made it a routine shot. And now there's several guys in the NBA that you've got to pick up as soon as they cross half court. It's not yeah, tight. Ty, Ty Jerome's one of them, baby. Let's go. Make it a raid. Let's go. He is kind of he is hitting some deep threes, but uh, your Thunder update: they have now lost twenty of twenty-one. They just might sneak into the bottom three in the standings. Just a reminder: the bottom three teams they all get the same odds of getting the first pick and staying in the top four picks. So, thank you to Steph Curry for helping the Thunder continue a masterful 
tank job uh, during the back half of the season. It, it is appreciated. Okay, my loser of the weekend. I thought about going with your boy, Ted. Bryson DeChambeau, because him thinking he missed the cut there at Wells Fargo in North Carolina and flying home to Dallas only to find out that he actually made the cut and having to fly back out there at like two something in the morning is one of it's like the most DeChambeau thing of all time. I immediately thought of you when it happened. How does that happen? Explain that to me. He well, okay. He played poorly on Friday, and when he got done, he was in like 90th. Mm-hmm. And the top 65 were making the cut. But it got super windy there Friday afternoon, and a bunch of guys were posting a bunch of high numbers, and he ended up at like 64th. And he, he was already back in Dallas. But I, he's flying private. Like, what's the hurry? It's what DeShambo. What do you mean? He's like, oh, come on. Well, and I think what it's the Byron Nelson is this week. So he probably wanted to get back and I mean, start getting ready for that. But I, it just, you know, when something's just so on brand that you're like, wait, is that fake? That's great. But hey, and credit to the dude, hey, ends up getting back and finishes in the top 10 and he'll cover the costs of that flight that he had to take from that mix up. I guarantee you that. Yeah, I would have felt really bad if, I mean, imagine if, like, one of the other guys on tour that, like, doesn't fly private had to, like, drive back to get, you know, or do something crazy like that. At least he's got the ability to, you go, oh, hey, boys, I know you thought you had the night off, but fire that sucker back up. Fuel her up. I'll be back up there in a few minutes. Yeah, I was reading an article about it. He, he, I think they thought about doing that, but the crew, there was, like, the hours limit for the crew, so they had to get a new crew. <laughs> it was it was Jeez. a disaster, but I will say this. Played some pretty damn good golf on uh, Saturday and Sunday. Okay, hey, so. Sometimes uh, adversity is what you need, Gabe, right? Throw a little wrench into the, into the sequence. Uh, adversity and a long-ass driver, baby. Let's go. <laughs> but my loser of the weekend, it, it's got to be horse racing. I, I was going to make it, I, I was going to make my loser just Bob Baffert, but this whole thing feels like a nightmare for the entire sport. I mean, you look at Medina spirit. That's how you say it, right? Medina. Every that's time I, how see I the, say it, that's, I think that was, that's how they said it on the call during the Kentucky Derby. So that's what I'm going with. But uh, Medina spirit fails the post-race drug tests after the Kentucky Derby had too much of an anti-inflammation steroid in its system. And, and I'm so confused about this whole thing because I mean, Bob Baffert's like the only horse trainer we all know, right? Because he gets all the coverage. We, we all watch two or three horse races a year and they talk about Bob Baffert a lot. So he's like almost the, to me, he's like the face of horse racing in my mind. Like he, if someone was like, Hey, name someone in horse racing, I'd be like Bob Baffert. That's all I got. But he made it sound like him and his people like didn't do anything wrong at all. Like his comments made it sound like he thinks someone is sabotaging him and the horses. As I, but but it's like his fifth horse that has failed for this in particular drug. Last time I checked, Ted, I could I could be wrong, but. Horses can't give themselves steroids. Like they can't take them on their own, as far as I know. 
Right. No, they can't. I don't know if he's insinuating that someone is tampering with his horses. That's what it sounds like to me. Either because he, he wants the he wants the sample DNA tested to make sure it's the proper sample, retested, all of that. And the only other thing is that either someone's tampering with the test, improper test, or someone's tampering with his horses. But I'll tell you, it may be easier to get to Aaron Rodgers the night before a Super Bowl than it is to get to one of these horses the night before a Kentucky Derby, if you know what I mean. It's like they are in lockdown and they are there is someone at their side. So I don't know. I know nothing about it. All I know is that here recently over the last year, he's his horses has been popped a bunch. Um, you know, he what was it? The Arkansas Derby, I think one of his horses uh, got popped and he, he got fined there. So something's going on. And at at best, it's like. I don't know. I was going to say someone's tampering, but even if someone's tampering with his stuff, it's still a black eye for the sport. Right. Whether it's whether it's legit testing and he's cheating, it's bad. But it's the same thing if someone else is tampering with his horses. It makes the the sport look tainted and illegitimate. So I'm with you 100%. Yeah, so you've either got the most famous trainer in your sport cheating or you've got some sabotaging going on, which would be a much more interesting story. I like how he said, I'm not into conspiracy theories. But, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> Nick Saban, what do you say? We talk about Nick Saban a lot. I bring him up a lot. I'm realizing that now. But hey, the two thing, the two words are and and but. Yeah, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but. <laughs> right, exactly. But, so, I mean, for horse racing, you, you've got. You've got a cheater, technically, that won the most prestigious race in your sport. Then you've got a bunch of pissed off gamblers, right? Because the people that bet on, what was it called? Like Mandolin or whatever the horse that got second was that the horse was like 26 to one. I mean, those, those people are furious now, but Vegas escapes again, don't they? Absolutely. Which I don't know what the total numbers were. There may have been more money total bet on Medina spirit, but I, I guess they might feel a little better knowing that Baffert is going to have to give all the money back. Right. But I, no. I don't know. I just, and the craziest thing is they're talking about the Preakness and Medina spirit still running in the Preakness. It's like, what are, what are we doing? I, well, I, yeah, it's different because horse racing is it's like right now he's suspended from Churchill downs. Like he right. can't, his horses can't run at Churchill downs, but a new venue, it's like it's not like they're in the, a league or something, so to speak, I guess. Yeah, so anybody that watches the Preakness can be like, wait, they're still letting the cheating horse go? Uh, uh, okay, yeah, I'm going to bet on that one. Yeah, especially <laughs> if the, the post-race test doesn't come out for two weeks and I've already cashed my ticket. You kidding me? I don't, I don't know, man. It is, <laughs> that whole thing is wild. I hope it's sabotage. <laughs> That's going to be so cool. Oh, I know. Uh, if it's going to be bad, just give us the total bad story, right? Yeah. All right. On that note, episode 110 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. 
You can hear me from 3 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Till next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time